Welcome to the Global Careers Podcast, sponsored by GW Cyber, the source for inspiring stories from seasoned professionals who have embraced a global role and reaped the benefits. We offer practical advice and insider tips across a broad swath of industries and fields around the world. You know, whether or not you've considered moving abroad or taking on an international role, globalization will impact your career. So join us for a lively discussion as we explore what an international career really means. My name is Stacey Nevadomsky-Berdan, and I'll be your host. In Season 6, we focus on the challenges and opportunities in global careers in marketing, communications, and brand management. What are the rising trends and skills employers in the field are seeking in new hires? Join us as we hear from award-winning international marketing professionals as they share their stories working on some of the most iconic brands around the world. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Philippe Herousseau, fractional CMO at Chief Outsiders. Philippe is a pioneering marketing executive and purpose-driven leader who delivers share gains and profitable growth for both large and fast-growing businesses. He has worked at leading and progressive organizations like Unilever, Shiseido, GoGo, Squeeze, and Umove, while delivering results through unconventional marketing approaches, disruptive innovation, brand expansion, and brand purpose, for which the Dove campaign for Real Beauty was one of. A global citizen with dual French and American citizenship, Philippe has held multiple regional and global roles while working and living in Paris, Istanbul, London, New York, and now Atlanta. Philippe speaks French and English, and we are so happy to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Stacey. Great. So one of the objectives of this podcast is to provide a sense of the careers that are out there, more than just titles. Tell us, what does a fractional CMO do? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a fractional CMO at Chief Outsiders. And what I do is that I basically help CEOs of small to mid-sized organizations um, transform their vision into a growth plan. And we've set that up because the founder of Chief Outsiders realized that um, CEOs of small to mid-sized companies just simply could not afford a full-time experienced CMO, and that the fractional concept enabled us to come and help them sit at the leadership table, become their trusted advisors, and help them stop doing random acts of marketing and really having a growth plan instead. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense and and brilliant. And of course, you were able to bring all of your decades of experience as a marketing pro across so many amazing brands um, to bear on all of these clients. So that's cool. Um, I really want to go, yeah, I want to go back a bit to um, the time and ask you about the Dove campaign for Real Beauty, because that was one of the groundbreaking um, campaigns of its time for sure. Um, Can you talk about that and brand purpose? Yes, no, it was it it was groundbreaking. And to be very clear, um, I had nothing to do with the inception of this brilliant campaign. Uh, my role and that of my team was to uh, was to launch it in the US. And that in itself was very exciting. I think there are there are two things that that were fundamentally disruptive at the time. Uh, The first thing is that uh, this campaign was all driven by PR. It was not a a campaign driven by by paid media. It was a campaign where we banked that our story would pick up interest. And it's interesting because nowadays we call this paid media 
owned media, earned media. But back then, <laughs> the terms were not coined, and we were kind of discovering how to play with those three different kinds of media. Now, the most the most exciting one is undoubtedly the uh, um, the purpose nature of that campaign. And again, uh, we didn't really know um, uh, that it was purpose. Uh, we knew that uh, uh, we knew that they were very strong insight um, in the insecurities that women had with a stereotypical definition of beauty, and we knew. Uh, that um, uh, we knew that it was important for a brand like Dove to um, to have a point of view. Uh, but what we discovered is that um, the sharpness, the relevance of of that point of view, um, made a win win perspective where you could do well and do good at the same time. And actually, over time. Um, many brands have realized the power of, of, of a purpose, uh, not only to do good for their communities, but to help their brands do well. Absolutely. And that was that, just, just an amazing one and still continues to be, right? I know it has, it has evolved and you're not working on it anymore, but it, but it really does stand as a beacon in, in marketing, which, which makes me go back. So you're French and you were working for the U.S. part of Dove, but it's still as part of an international marketing team. What do you think it takes today to be successful in marketing on a global scale? Well, um, I think it takes curiosity and humility, right? We are, we are all born in a specific country, in, um, in a specific cultural environment. And, and the minute you move into an international environment, your, the, the, the background is different. And the, uh, the, cultural, the cultural environment is different. It's not better or worse, it is different. I've lived in, I've lived in four different countries. I, I'm sorry to tell you, none one of them was perfect. Right? They all had good things and bad things. The what is what is difficult is that um, when you do it for the first time, the the background is changing, and your 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 cultural reference points. Are a bit lost, and it takes curiosity to go and discover and understand and not judge, and humility. In you know, my, the first time, the first country I, I worked in was Turkey. Um, well, being French didn't make me any better than the people who lived in Turkey. My my approach. Didn't um, di- didn't make it any better than that of the of of uh, of my Turkish friends, and that humility is absolutely crit- uh, critical in uh, in your ability to understand another culture, understand another environment. Mm, great, yeah, I love that curiosity and humility. That's wonderful, wonderful. Makes me think: How do you then, kind of diving a little deeper, how do you successfully market one product or a brand across a variety of cultures, right, in different languages, different things? And do you have any um, 
any mistakes, not necessarily your own, but teams or things that you that you can share with listeners to really highlight how challenging it can be to take one product and actually um, market it around the world specifically to those local markets? Yeah, and uh, I actually uh, I actually came across uh, an article recently on the on on the business news news daily, which was called "Loss in Translation: uh, Thirteen International Marketing Fails." Uh, and I would recommend for the audience to uh, to Google it and uh, and and read it because it's it's a great article. Uh, and I stayed clear of most of those. Uh, actually, the one that was the closest to me that's mentioned in uh, um, in uh, in this article is the challenges that Dolce Gabbana had when they were uh, trying to mix Chinese culture and Italian culture in a way that was culturally insensitive. And uh, and I was at Shiseido at the time, and we had the 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 license for the for the fragrance and it was uh, it was a mistake that we hope had not uh, had, had not happened um so so i i would encourage your uh, i would encourage the audience to read that that article but to to go back to your question um i think there are two things there is the insight the core the basis of your brand and your proposition and in most cases, that insight tends to be universal and uh, it tends to be relevant um, in many different um, countries, many different, uh, many different cultural environments. And then there is the way you express it. And, and that is a place where you can have, where there can be more difficulties and where things can be lost in translation. Um, if, you know, we, we started talking about the Dove campaign, and uh, uh, I remember that the very first iteration of the Dove campaign was about um, women of different sizes and shapes and curves and not curves. And, and, um, and, and I remember that back then, um, this, this expression of the um, of the negative impact of the narrow definition of beauty, this expression through the various body types was highly relevant in a U.S. culture, where where indeed you have you have you know you have people of different body body types, um, but we also realized that it was probably more difficult in some other countries. I can think of Japan, for for instance. Where where the um, uh, where the diversity in terms of body type is not as pronounced as it is in the U.S. and um, as you as you as you mentioned it so brilliantly, uh, this is a campaign that has uh, that that keeps going, and I, I recently came across the work that was was done in uh, in the Middle East, um, that was absolutely stunning. Uh, because the insights, the sense of insecurities, the, the, the sense of forced definition of what a woman uh, should do or look like was still completely there. But it had been totally adapted and uh, dovetailed, pun intended, 
to a specific situation in uh, in the Middle East, and and that's where you know that's why I want to make the difference between the insight, the core, the thing that is more likely to be universal, and the expression, the translation, the adaptation, where we're being careful about. Um, uh, about the local sensitivity or the local relevance is critical. Mm. Mm, that's great. Well said. Thank you for that. I'm, and I'm going to ask you a follow-on question. So that's local cultural sensitivities, and I love it. It's core brain insight and how it's expressed, <clears throat> excuse me, and the relevance. But how about um, the inside of an organization? So you were just talking about the brand consumers, but what about the inside of an organization, that kind of smart or dynamic tension that occurs on global teams? Um, sometimes it has to do with finance. Sometimes it has to do with timelines. How do you handle that on a global team? I'm not sure that you handle it differently. Than, than you do um, in, in, in a local organization. You know, if you're, if you're talking about the, um, the normal tension that happens uh, from a cross-functional perspective, I think you just do it um, uh, the, the, you, you just do it the same way. I think it's um, um, really the tension that, that I think is specific to the um, uh, you know, to, 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 to being a global brand um, is, is really that tension between what are the things that are essential to the brand and can never change and what are the things that are more um, executional and that can, that can be adapted, right? Um, it, it's also that some of the... Um, uh, it, it, it can also be about... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell I'm, I'm going to tell you the story of another brand that I worked for. Uh, that brand is Gogo Squeeze, and Gogo Squeeze is basically um, uh, a very healthy um, uh, snack for kids, and it's basically uh, applesauce in a pouch, and it comes with different with different variants. And the in the US, our one of our top variants was, of course. Apple cinnamon, because cinnamon is it is the the it is the the, um, uh, the flavor of choice uh, in the U.S. In my first country, cinnamon is absolutely not liked, right? And cinnamon, the cinnamon variant, does not even exist in in France. On the other hand, they have a they have a variant which is basically apple chestnuts, all right, um, which would do awful in the U.S. because, because uh, chestnut is not a typical dessert flavor or sweet flavor that we have in the U.S., but it's, it's, it's a killer in France. And, you know, what, what I'm trying to bring to you through that example is that, yes, there are products that are different, but no, they are not fundamentally different. They share the same core principle. They share the same insight about the mother and the kids, about what's important and healthy and good for them. Um, but their representation uh, can change um, uh, just to reflect, in this case, local tastes. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's re- I, re- I like that. Thanks for sharing that. That's neat. Um, going back a, a little bit or maybe uh, taking a 30,000-foot view, what do you see um, as the biggest change or maybe challenge that globalization has had on marketing in the past couple of years? Um, kind of like COVID withstanding because that's, obvi- that's kind of an obvious well, I, I think they are related because, um, you know, I uh, I will confide to you that uh, um, I, I uh, finished business school uh, more than a decade ago, and I'm and, and I'm underplaying it. But when I started my career, what was happening in an international context? The Berlin Wall had fallen down. Uh, European countries were getting together and creating the euro. The internet was created and was becoming a um, uh, um, an opportunity to make the globe even smaller. And in a way, I had a lot of tailwinds. You know, there was a lot of things that was making globalization something that. That was a right that that was the in thing to do. There was a lot of 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 drive to um, to be as inclusive and as global as we could be. You fast forward to twenty twenty three. What are the things that are the things that we're seeing are are very different. We see a trend to saying that globalization is not that great. And are trying to say, can we can can we focus more on our countries, right? And you have you have situations like um, you have situations like Brexit, you have situations like COVID, you have situations, unfortunately, like the current war in Ukraine, where um, that have a tendency to bring us back more to nations rather than than the globe. And I think that the generation that's coming up um, is actually, is likely to face headwinds when mine faced tailwinds. And at the same time, there is no, there, there is no more pressing need to market, act uh, globally. You know, um, the um, uh, climate change is on us, and for and and we're never going to be able to do anything at a nation's level. The lung of the planet is in Brazil; it's in Amazonia, and if we and, and when we can say whatever we want to, there is no other lung for the planet anywhere else. And so at a time where there there will be headwinds for the new generation, there will be actually a greater need for um, a greater existential need of acting globally. On that point, what do you think marketers, those starting out early in their career now, um, what kind of jobs are out there for them to do? You've just described a very different kind of world, right, Uh, as you've watched it evolve and work through it. But what kind of jobs are out there now for them to do? I think think they're going to find the same jobs as the one um, um, that my generation created. 
um, you know, the roles of um, uh, the global marketing roles and the local roles, I see them continuing to exist. I work with a lot of small organizations who expand themselves internationally and, uh, and, and need the benefit of, of global thinking. So I I don't I I don't I don't see a big change on that balance between local role and global roles. Um, if that's if that's the answer to your question. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. And and anything that you see that's out there, but clearly marketing matters. It's just the way you do it, how you do it, and adapting to um, the evolving consumer market and what matters to them, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so you are French, as we can tell with your accent, um, and you've been working in the U.S. for a long time. Um, how have you had to adapt, and what have you learned? You know that our listeners would would benefit from because this podcast is all about global careers, and a lot of times it's U.S. citizens going abroad. But we have international students, and we have international listeners actually who want to go to a different market. So, how have you had to adapt? I was lucky for two for 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 two reasons. First of all, the U.S. was the um, fourth country I lived in, so I I had already understood the the need to be humble and curious. Um, the second thing is that uh, my my wife um, um, my wife is was American, so I had um, constant exposure to the American culture. Um, but um, so those two things made things uh, easier for me. I think the adapting is, as I said earlier on, it's understanding that France is France with its strengths and weaknesses, and that the US is the US with its strengths and weaknesses, and that, um, that you have to play to the environment that you're in. And you know, because we because we talked about the Dove campaign, um, I I'm, I'm going to share an anecdote, uh, and I don't know if I talked to you about that when when we were both working uh, on that campaign, but um, but basically I, I ended up being the spokesperson uh, for for that campaign, and um, um, and and taking numerous um, uh, uh, numerous calls with journalists. And, um, and very early on in the campaign came the opportunity to, to have a, a TV interview. And I don't know why. I had the good sense that day to turn it down. And I remember going to um, the team at, uh, at Edelman and I told them, I am not going to take a TV interview because I am French, I have an accent, and my, my Frenchness and my accent could distort the message of the campaign. And my American public may, may not hear the genuineness and commitment that we have on that campaign if they hear it coming from not only not only a male, but a French male with an accent. And I told them, don't you fret, I'm going to find you an avatar of me, someone who is going to be an American woman and who will be answering all the questions. 
And from that day on, I actually took all of the uh, press questions, you know, because because my accent doesn't show in uh, uh, in writing. But whenever we needed someone on TV, I had an avatar <laughs> who, uh, who was uh, who was doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that, and that's brilliant. Great way to really sense your audience and to know what's right and what's wrong when you're working in, um, you know, in a global market, especially in a market that's not your home home market. That's great. Can you share with us? Um, it's a question that a lot of our listeners ask. One of the biggest challenges you felt you have, you have faced in your career and how you dealt with it. Well, listen um, uh, for for uh, for those who know me, they know that I am an extrovert, and the um, the very common issue with extroverts is that they use their mouths more than they use their ears. And um, certainly in my career, and certainly in my first um, in my first expat assignment, um, this was a challenge. This was a challenge because you know if you think about curiosity and and uh, humility, it is best to express those two things by listening than by than by speaking. You know, and uh, and one of my uh, uh, one of uh, uh, one of my vulnerability um, is that um, if I don't if I if if I, if I don't pay close enough attention, I can easily talk too much and and miss the other very important thing, probably the most important thing, which is listening. That's great. That is wonderful. And that's uh, super important in um, different cultures than our own as well, because so many times if we talk too much, we don't give the pause and um, others continue to pause while we're paused. So we fill in the blank, right? I imagine you've had that. That's happened, I know, to me in many places around the world. I think, oh, they have nothing to say, so I should just keep talking. Well, yeah, well, there, there is that. But there is also the fact that when you are in a different um culture you should be listening twice you should be listening to what he said right um but you also should be listening to what it means um what um uh, what does it mean in 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 such and such culture to not say anything you know i've i've I worked a lot with japan and um you know, in, in our Western environment, we assume that if we don't hear no, it means yes, right? Well, in Japan, if you don't hear yes, it means no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all of a sudden, it is, it, it is not only about um, uh, doing a great job at listening, which some of us, like me, can, uh, can need a, a bit of a reminder but it's also going that extra mile of saying, okay, I heard it, but don't forget that this is not your cultural background and that in that cultural background, what you heard means something different than, than what it would mean if you were in Paris. Absolutely. Wonderful. That's a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing that. Thank, thank you. Um, 
What you've given lots of advice already, but is if is there one piece of advice that you'd like to give listeners who are interested in pursuing a career in marketing today? Uh, well, listen, marketing marketing is at a stage where it has changed um, so much in the past thirty years, and it continues to change. And I think that for anyone who is excited about an ever-changing environment and, and, and discovering new ways to interact uh, with, with, um, uh, with our audience, I think this is exciting. And I think that uh, being in marketing today is, um, is a, a promise or of never getting bored because you're going to have to learn every day and, and change what you do you know, very, very often. If you like routine, though, um, it may not be it may not be the the the, the best option the best option for you. Um, in terms of the in terms of the international things, well, first of all, I would like to encourage uh, our best and our brightest to um, uh, to 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 engage on the international sphere because I think that the future of the planet depend uh, actually depends on it. Um, and, um, and I, you know, my advice is to go and have fun, right? It is incredibly, um, it's a lot of fun to discover new people who do things differently. Um, it's incredibly rewarding to, um, to augment your knowledge, to augment your appreciation of the entire world by understanding, um, you know, how, how someone living with very limited amount of money in a two, in a two, uh, in a two room apartment in Mumbai, India, uh, can live there with eight people. Right. Um, it is, it is so rewarding to, to see things that are, that are just different. Not better, not worse, just different from what's happening in my neighborhood in Decatur, Georgia. Absolutely. Well said. That is great. Fun, exciting, and rewarding, but got to be on your game all the time. Yeah. You is, do. Yeah. What piece of advice would you go back and give your younger self? Anything different than what you've shared today? No, I, I, I think that um, the... Um, uh, the advice is about knowing your strengths and weaknesses and being being self-aware as quickly as you can. And in my case, I shared I shared the challenge for an extrovert of using uh, of of using uh, my ears more often than than my mouth, even though my natural inclination is to talk. And you know, I I wish I had. I wish I had understood that, um, you know, as I was a teenager. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation, Philippe. Um, but before I let you go, because I know you're a busy man, um, is there anything else you'd like to add with our audience? Maybe something I didn't ask or something you'd like to share? Uh, no, I think, you. Uh, first of all, it was great, great talking to you, Stacey. I think that uh, uh, it, it, it's always fun. Uh, the, this topic, this topic is is this topic is really exciting, and um, and you know the the only thing I want to share with the audience as I, is to repeat my uh, my encouragement to go on the global scene, 
and to go there with with no preconceived idea, no no set mindset, and just enjoy the ride, learn, and and become a better person uh, from all the learning you will have had. That's fantastic. Great advice. It has been wonderful catching up with you, Philippe, after all these years and loved working yep. with you at Unilever. It was great and uh, super excited about your your latest adventure uh, as a fractional CMO. CMO. Yeah, Chief Outsiders. That's terrific. Okay, great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Stacey. You have been listening to the GW Cyber Global Careers Podcast. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, go global.